Hi everybody, I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Shalini Nandan Singh. Shalini is a small business lawyer, a legal coach, and the founder of Love Your Legals. Since founding her practice in 2015, Shalini's helped thousands of business owners navigate the ins and outs of their legal obligations, providing support, advice, contract creation, and templates for entrepreneurs and business owners. She joins us today to share a bit of her own journey and gives us some tips on handling typical legal pitfalls that are often encountered by small business. Hi, Shalini. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. Now, where did your business journey begin? Did you um, did you always want to be a lawyer? Like growing up, were you the kid that was great at negotiating with, with the other children and getting what you wanted? Well, uh, no, not at all. You'll be surprised to know that my I, I always wanted to be a journalist. And really, my first degree at university was in journalism and marketing. But my marriage was arranged back in the day because I come from a strict Indian family to a, um, a lawyer and it was my husband that put me through law school. Really? Only thing that well, I, only thing I can say about that is that I was actually really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so my legal career began with his going into private practice and um, it was important for both of us to be qualified because we were actually in Fiji setting up the legal practice. And then uh, when I came back to Australia, when my daughter started school here, I wanted a, a business that was um, portable. So um, I developed this contract drafting service um, for online entrepreneurs and that's most people that with an online presence and now they either have a service-based business or a, or a product-based business. Yeah, what made you realise there was a, a niche there that needed to be filled? Well, you know, I returned from a, a, a cruise in, in early 2014 with this really bad virus. Um, it was rampant in the US. It was, I think, the Nor. Zorro virus or the norovirus, it had some name, and I was bedridden. And I spent a lot of time in, in Facebook business groups because what I really loved was small business. You know, the, 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 I love, I mean, I'd, I'd love to say that law is my passion. It's actually small business that's my passion. And started helping people in the, in the Facebook groups and then people started, you know, to message me and say, can you draft this for me? Can you draft that for me? Or uh, I need to, you know, uh, make a submission about this. So once that started happening, I decided that I would need to set up my, my uh, service because to give legal advice, you have to be properly admitted and registered, etc. So I had to, you know, go through the formalities so that I could have all that behind me in this particular service. So there was a niche there. There was there were there were women who were setting up businesses that were reluctant to go to big law firms or the street front law firms. They actually just wanted to talk to someone about where they were at in business and what they needed to do next. 
Do you find that um, that's the case with a lot of businesses that, um, particularly now, so many people have started up uh, side hustles and small businesses during the pandemic, and what happens is they get the idea and they they start, and it's before they've got anything, any of the formalities in place. That there's a lot of that kind of you know, the business plans and the contracts and all the necessary little things that they really should be doing before they take their business out into the world. But they've they've kind of forgotten about that and the passion of running with with what they what they want to get started as a business. Is that something that you come across a lot? All the time. I think what happens uh, is that so much energy by someone with an idea goes into the actual idea and the marketing that they quite often um, forget to look at the business as a whole. You know, it has a place in the community. You have responsibilities as a business owner. You have relationships with clients and suppliers that you have to manage. But I think in the beginning, um, it's really important to get the right advice, like from advice that's not overkill either. So right advice necessarily isn't, you know, like completely comprehensive advice that you would need as an established business owner. I think in startup stage, you need advice that is uh, kind of, uh, for want of a better word, a little bit holistic from a legal practitioner that understands lean startup, that understands um, your preoccupation with marketing and getting your product or service off the ground, the importance of pricing. These may seem to be marketing issues, but they're actually very important to your service agreements and contracts that you do put out there to your clients and suppliers uh, for your business. So a lot of my work is uh, mentoring around all of that so that when we get to the contracts, I have the information I need and they have these things in place so that their business is, um, is, you know, running uh, efficiently, profitably, um, and, 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 is, and is likely to grow. Um, a lot of the time uh, people in startups, they just don't have that support. You know, they don't have that um, person that can look at the, their whole project and say, right, this is what you're doing, there's a weakness with your pricing, um, or, or you probably need to you know, look at your offer a little bit more closely. I don't understand the link. I can't. I can't see the link between your message and your marketing, um, because it's in there. It, it's in my interest as well as a as a as a practitioner and the drafter of their contracts that their business is successful. So um, part of my job is to also provide that advice and those observations, and then to help them get it right. Are there so many more things for businesses to consider these days? I mean, it used to be purely a lot of businesses were brick and mortar or, you know, providing services and it was very kind of clear cut, the avenues that they took to their customers. But now people find customers so many different ways. Um, I think uh, you you have to find your place in 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 the market. I think you have to be very um, – these days people buy 
um, they 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 buy the story, they buy the brand. You know, you you really need to be across. Um, you really need to be across the conversation that you need to have with your market about the problem that you are solving. Um, almost everybody is online, and there is a you know a number of ways to show up online and present your services online. So uh, uh, service providers could just have a website, they could have online courses, they could have membership sites, subscription sites. Um, you know, it's it's really uh, a wide range of ways of showing up and communicating with your market and providing them with the solutions that they're looking for in their life and their business. So, yeah, I think there is a lot more. I think the, the bricks and mortar businesses, the, it, is a, it is a different business model, certainly, and um, probably a little bit simpler because, you know, you really – you're marketing locally and then I guess the next step is to have an online shop if your brand becomes really well known. But if you're purely online, um, the world is kind of your oyster, but you also need to be really aware of your um, messaging and the development of your brand. And what I find is that business owners who are, you know, purely online or most of the businesses online are very brand conscious like they're really conscious of their brand they 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 want uh, their um, their service agreements their terms their their conditions their contracts anything that relates to their business they want a connection they want their their documents to represent their brand their messaging and to speak to the client um, you know, not not to be disconnected from the clients, which is sometimes what happens with legal documents, is that there there's a complete disconnection between the document and the business, the mm. branding and the message, messaging. Mm. Yeah. What are some of the common problems that you um, that businesses might come to you with when it comes to their legals? Is it perhaps in the way that they've been set up in the first place that maybe they didn't do things quite right when they first started out? Um, I'm thinking like, you know, like you, you might start a business with a partner or, or whatever, but you don't have like a some kind of agreement in place. Like that can get messy down the line if things go wrong and you um sometimes it is when when a structure has gone wrong or a relationship has gone wrong and parties realise that oh okay, well moving forward there needs to be a contract in place or an agreement in place. But a lot of the time um, the advice people seek is around um, how to negotiate these partnerships and these relationships, what they should be saying in meetings, um, what kind of terms uh, would be advantageous to the relationship. Um, So a lot of mentoring goes on in that regard. Um, People, you know, who are starting up businesses are very savvy too these days to to a large extent. You know, they they I'm always surprised with when someone says, oh, look, I need to know what contracts I need to have in place so that I'm covered. Now, that still requires a conversation about, well, who are you? What is your business? What are you selling? What what, what are you worried about? 
you know, where, where are you, where do your concerns lie? And, and of course, once I have that information, I can also then let them know where my concerns lie. And, and from there we work out what doc, you know, what contracts or agreements or terms are required for their business and the timeline. Timelines are really important for startups. You know, you can't do everything at once. You can, but you can also have a timeline so that, you know, you are, you are develop. It's part of the development of your business. Yeah, and um, what about privacy concerns? Because um, businesses of all sizes are collecting so much more data these days than ever before. Is that something that you also help businesses with? Yeah. So everybody has to address uh, their privacy, their obligations to protect personal data that they collect for the purpose of marketing. And um, it doesn't matter anymore whether, you know, you're you're a big business or a smaller business. There needs to be some understanding of your obligations for protecting the information that you collect on your website and through your um, email marketing. Because not, not only is it the law that requires that, but social media platforms and online platforms, Google, Facebook, Instagram, they all require you to have to be commercially active online. You do need to have a privacy policy in place because they are, these platforms are protecting themselves with that requirement. So it is, a, it is a concern from the solopreneur through to corporations that you do have an understanding that you're collecting personal data from people when you ask for their phone number and their emails and that there should be a policy available to people who visit your website or who are um, active on your Facebook business page um, that tells them what you plan to do with the information that you're collecting and the legal basis for collecting that information. So last thing you wanted is to have some data to get out and you haven't ticked all the boxes. Mm. More and more, though, people are becoming aware of when they feel that their information has been improperly used and it is the basis of scams, you know, the abuse Mm. of personal data. So... It does touch, uh, I, I suppose it is more of a reality than we realise. Um, when, you, when you make the inquiries and you, and you look at what, what's happening in the wider world in terms of um, the n- amount of scams that are around, it, is, it has been because there has been a privacy data breach somewhere where your information has been exposed and someone is able to call you and email you or or uh, hack into your accounts. Yeah, and uh, small businesses are becoming more and more the target of those um, cybersecurity scammers, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, they are. And no one is immune, you know. I mean, I I, I worry about it myself and, and I work in the field. Like it, the, the, the technology around breaching, you know, the technology for breaching uh, data privacy develops at a much more rapid rate than our ability to protect our um, devices. Mm. 
and accounts. We just have to try and have as robust a solution as possible and, and have all our that's right, and that's where the policies come into place because it gives people an opportunity to know that at least you have one in place and what to do if there is a breach. And the purpose and apart from that, you it also educates the consumer a little bit about well, you know, there are rules and regulations about how your information is used, so they should not be nervous about providing details. Mm. They should nervous if there is no policy there that's been properly drafted. Yeah, and you um you touched a little bit on social media and obviously social is such a huge part of how businesses market themselves these days and a lot of them um have groups for their customers to interact with each other. What do you think about um mm. social media policies should should if a business has a has a um, social presence, do they need a social media policy and how active should they be at looking at things like, you know, the comments that people are leaving? Well, if, if you are running, if you are running a, a group on, on social media, you are responsible for managing the content in that group and, and we've seen that in recent you know, cases where uh, the Bola case yeah. courts have held that you need to that that the group, the business owner yeah. or the group admins, you know, they are responsible to um, uh, to I guess step in and delete posts or remove posts or remove people who are engaging in behaviour that is potentially de- uh, defamatory or. Um, you know, insightful, as in causing more and more um, uh, public uh, discussion that is negative or harmful towards another person or organisation and and not controlling it. Look, I think um, business group owners um, are a lot more aware now of their responsibilities. I have noticed that many of them do have social media conduct policies uh, in their groups for people uh, to read before they join. But it, you have mm-hmm. to be vigilant. You know, you, it's not. And, and, and in many ways it's, it's why people have a number of admins, especially in the bigger groups where there is a lot of engagement. Um, it's very easy to have a post run away. Yeah. And, and uh become quite a you know a, a damaging post in terms of a particular social issue and uh, having just one admin you might miss it until it's too late but if you have a number of admins it, it some you know mostly it's contained so i do um i i, I think i think groups are now um small and large groups are now very aware of, of what their responsibilities are in regards to having a conduct policy um, on their on their accounts and on, in their groups. And what about uh, influencer marketing? Because that's also become something that not just big businesses um, and the corporates use. Small business owners are looking to influencers to help get their messaging and their brand out. It's a real phenomenon, really, isn't it? Yeah. The influencer um, 
phenomenon for want of a better word because you get micro businesses and then there are micro influences so it's no longer necessarily a big well-known name um, that would be considered an influence markets have become so niched now that you need you know in you could be a, a reasonably uh, you just need to be reasonably well known with the requisite number of followers in a even a very micro market to be considered a sought after influencer. So would and you recommend the, that that wouldn't have heard of you? Yeah. Which <laughs> is what I find quite fascinating. But again, it's still um, influencer marketing is still fraught with problems for many business owners because the the um, the platforms, Instagram and Facebook, they're quite vulnerable. So it's, it's not always a given that the influencer's um, positioning is stable and will continue on the trajectory that it's going in terms of followers and likes. Second thing, of course, is that you really need to have it, an, an agreement, a written agreement and contract with your influencer so that you and the influencer are really, you know, across what's going to happen in terms of your products and services, how they'll be um, promoted, um, what what the influencer can do with those products and um, how often they will refer to it. This is where when we do go into social media groups and, and people complain that they engaged an influencer and sent the products and, you know, they never got mentioned and, and it was an, and most of the time and they're quite expensive products or they're multiple products which add up to quite a lot of money. So it is a, it is a developing area and, of course, you know, the rules have changed now. If you you you, you can't influence the the role of the um, social influencer in promoting health related products um, has changed. You know it's diminished, and there's a lot of rules around it now, uh, to the extent that pretty much that's a market that's uh, beyond that of um, you know many social influencers now. Yeah, uh, the the way that products are mentioned by influencers in that wellness space. Yeah, for health and well-being, you know, you mm. can't. Um, you, You've got to declare it, don't you? Way that they can actually um, endorse a product. Mm. It's interesting. It's all moving quite quickly. How do you keep up with all of the changes, Shalini? Well, I am. Um, I'm a bit of a media junkie myself. Um, I think that's my the journalism training in me never quite leaves you. My my clients, um, their questions sometimes are really enlightening, um, and I, that's how I know what I need to look at next. Um, if especially if it's something I haven't come across before. The wonderful thing about working with small businesses and, and you know, micro businesses and particularly women who are developing businesses is that they are a really um, innovative, in, investiga- investigative and optimistic 
group of people to be engaged with in, on a daily basis. And, you know, there's no question questions that are, are awkward or difficult or off the table. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know how really is how I keep up with it. I just do. It might be a little tiny superpower. But remember, I, you know, when you work and all your energy and passion is in the one, you know, one sector, which in my case it is, um, you kind of absorb that information from the world around you because you're always on notice about what's going on with businesses, what's next in the law, what's being published, what's the next trend, you know. Um, and, and the type of businesses I, I draft for, it's in, in the, the variety is insane. You know, I, and that's been, that's been probably the most wonderful experience. So are there any uh, common issues that, that seem to come up again and again for clients that you're seeing? I think, um, a co- look, it's really common for people to be uncertain about the doc- the contracts they require for their business. You know, they, they kind of swing from my business is um, so different, I wouldn't even know how to, what terms, how to even articulate the terms to um, businesses that have been going for a couple of years and they've got um, service agreements and contracts in place and yet they're not using them because they are not happy with them or they've changed their business and somehow they never got around to changing the contracts or updating them. Um, it's, it's generally around connecting their business to their contracts and they know they need it, right? But the, the, issue, they, the, the issue they come to me with is that my, my current contracts are not, uh, they feel disconnected, they don't feel right, I don't really understand them. Can you fix them? But it's really more about fixing them <laughs> as in fixing the client so that, I'm, you know, so that we address the things that they don't understand and how to communicate them to the client. I mean, half my work sometimes is actually um, instilling confidence in the client that they can stand by terms that have been drafted for their business and, um, well, well, that, you know, have been well drafted. There's nothing to be afraid of them or, or confused about them because if they're drafted well, they um, they will represent your business magnificently with any luck. So, yeah, I think it's really at that stage in business where um, business owners are like they, they, they kind of level up and then they realise now that client relationships are real, supplier relationships are real, consequences are real, leaving money on the table is real, that they're actually making money they need to protect, their time is valuable. All of these things are encapsulated in good contracts for your business. So what would you suggest, say, I'm just thinking of starting a business, I haven't actually gone out there and got the ball rolling yet, what would be the first step that you would suggest I do legally? 
I think if you've got an idea, you need to protect it um, before. So if you have an idea for a business, the, the urge is to discuss it with everybody, which is fine. But if it's a particularly novel idea, you do need to put people on notice that the discussions you're having with them are confidential and a basic NDA helps there. You know, a lot of people don't realise that conversations are confidential. So it's really a matter of educating whoever you're talking to and putting them on notice. And people are usually good. They will do that provided they are put on notice that something is not to be discussed with everybody else. So when you're starting a business, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is, you know, to ask for contracts for pe- from people that you are planning to engage. So the mistake a lot of business owners make is that they uh, talk about a service, they get the quote and they go right ahead, but they have not, they, you know, what they don't realise is that they haven't received a service agreement from the other party, from the from the person they've engaged or the service provider. And that's problematic because that service agreement, you must read it be, and proceed if you're happy with it, that you know that the terms are fair and that they're um, sensitive and connected to the service that that's, that business is providing to you. And if it's not, then you have very strong grounds to reject that service. And I think that that's really important is for business, uh, council business owners all the time to go and ask for a contract. Ask them for their contract, have a look at it and then decide what you want to do. If they don't have a contract, then ask them to get one. And um, what about compliance um, issues? Because you hear a lot about how compliance is the, you know, the biggest problem for small businesses, that there's so much red tape. Is there a way to kind of... Well, if the contract is well drafted, the the amount of legalese uh, is negligible. You know, it, it's managed and it's, it's, it's negligible. The contract should be drafted in simple language to make sense to both parties and be very transparent. But in terms of compliance, so compliance, if you were talking about compliance with will you know, your clients comply with your service agreement. Listen, there is nothing that will force anybody to comply to anything. (laughs) If someone doesn't want to comply, they're not going to comply, okay? This is why this that's a human condition, right? But what what service agreements and terms and conditions and contracts and all of these do is they provide you with a very strong platform for negotiation, and, of course, enforcement. Mm, but hopefully it doesn't get so, to that. <laughs> it, that's right. But, but having those terms in place gives you, like, a, a framework to work from. Otherwise, you have, it's your, my, what he said, she said, they said, you know, it, it, it becomes uh, trawling through quite a lot of communication and emails and some of it is in the ether, and, and and then the chances of resolution, a good resolution, are um, are not good. Whereas if you have terms in place or your contract in place that's been drafted, you know, with with some sensitivity and insight between the parties of the relationship they're seeking, then resolution is in the contract itself. 
And that's what we want, isn't it? We want resolution before it has to go to some kind of conflict. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, business, when when my clients come to me and it's a big problem, one of the things is that this is business. You know, we have it's 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 relationships, and we have personal relationships, and we have um, conflict, and then you know, time, counselling, compromise, um, the prenup usually <laughs> sorts it out. But um, it's the same in business, and big big skill at the startup of business is learning your negotiation style and conversation you know how to how to how to actually negotiate what you want um and it's and small business starting a small business perfect time to learn all that because you get to do it in small steps you know you'll negotiate something with your developer or you'll negotiate a fee with your accountant or you'll negotiate a fee with your contract drafter like you've got to start negotiating I'm not saying asking for cheap prices. I'm saying making sure that you are paying or getting what you want and that you are paying for what you for for, for the, that that you're paying what you're paying for is what you what it is that you want. Um, so yeah, it's a very exciting time, you know, starting a business. I just love being around people who are doing that and um you know, helping them too. Well, thank you so much um, for chatting with me today, Shalini. It's been very enlightening. I'm You're welcome. Sure, there's loads more questions that our listeners will have for you. So I'm, if I get any, I'm going to pass them your way. <laughs> My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you.